Guys, we're so sorry, but welcome back to the Mint. <laughs> yeah, welcome back, guys. We're sorry we dropped you like that with no notice, no explanation. It was hectic. But there yeah. is an explanation. Yeah, you'll get one today, but we'll hold yeah. ourselves accountable. Um, true, true, true. I'm just trying to rewind back. Where did we go? What happened? What, what was the last one? Um, so we had, we oh, had we that speaking, big day where we, we tried to... We're sorry, recording we were from different locations today, guys. So it's we're going to be talking over each other as the video lags and stuff. Yeah. So we were speaking to Muhammad about his experience with mental health. Yeah, well, except that he didn't really tell us much. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was a good chat, yeah, but um, thank you for joining us, Kamen. Um, So on that day, we actually recorded a few different episodes, but for some reason, there was something wrong with the studio, and we didn't actually get good recording the entire time. Um, and so we lost sort of two out of the three episodes that we did there, or maybe one and a half out of the three, etc. And then Ramadan was just around the corner, so then we obviously got really busy, and we didn't want to sort of spend our time in Ramadan um, in the studio. And I think then you had to flit off and I left to Australia. Yeah, at that point. <laughs> yeah, I so left. Her. Now left Perth permanently for now. Where you so now? I've left Western Australia, and I'm now in the state of Victoria, still in Australia. Have you been there the whole time Victoria. since you left? Um, yes. How like I've been in this state, but then we went to Queensland for a holiday just after Eid. Also, I got COVID. Oh, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. And because we've barely oh, even yeah, like yeah. had time to speak because we've just been like fleeting texts on WhatsApp. So actually, I really want to catch up. Okay. How was COVID? How was COVID? I was so shocked, dude, because like mm. I thought like I managed to escape it, you know? Yeah. But anyways, I did. <laughs> what variant did you get? It really like, I have no yeah. idea because you I didn't, usually I didn't do a either. PCR or anything. Um, I just did a rat test, uh, um, but I was forced to do a rat test. So I was mm. really like avoiding it. Mm. Um, I just like woke up one morning with a really bad sore throat and mm. then just thought nothing of it because like I slept with the AC on and I was like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just stupid. Anyways, I'll get over it. And then just got a cold and cough after that but then on day two three it just started getting worse and I felt like I was about to like collapse every oh, single moment worse of the, on the day. second or third day oh most people yeah, say it started getting really really bad days of the for work. me oh, right, no okay. the first few days were all right and then I started to get really sick and then I was like oh it's fine because I had like two days off work and then I I think on the third or fourth day, I had like night shift. I just went for it. I just sucked it up. I went to work, whatever. Wait, are you allowed to go to work when you're COVID positive? But I didn't realize. I, just, I was oh, just sick. Oh, you just I was thought you were in sick. My head. Yeah, I just thought I was sick. And I just went to work. I did a night shift and then um, went home, felt exhausted. And then got up just before my night shift, like literally slept like mm. 12 hours um and then I woke up and I was like really contemplating whether or not I should go and I think it's like this has been ingrained in us when we're in Ireland like you know you don't call in sick unless you're on a stretcher yeah. so I was just like no I'll be fine I'll go in even though I could barely drag myself out of bed that's like pre-COVID um, energy was, before COVID everyone yeah. expected you to come in if you were sick but now if you've got the slightest sniffle they're like let's go home mm-hmm. I know the attitudes are so different here um but um yeah I I, I had a cough and a sore throat but, but like it was the energy man I just I was so drained I just mm. couldn't even lift myself off of bed and then I was having like hot sweats and I was like but it's fine it's fine and then I went into work and so they have a hot zone in work where all the COVID positive patients go um and I picked up a patient there just oh actually no I think they gave me a patient there um mm. in ED so I went to the hot zone side and then I swear to you like I started to feel so much worse mm. 
by midnight, I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm just going to go to my reg and just tell him like, I need to leave tonight. So I walk out and I'm like, Hey, listen. And then he was like, Hey, Mishka, you're already in here. So that's great. So we had a few people call in sick. Um, so I'm going to need you to stay in the hot zone all night. Oh, <laughs> I was wow. like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. Okay. That should be okay. Yeah. Um, but I was like dying inside. Um, I was like coughing, sneezing all night. Mm-hmm. No one said nothing. So it was interesting but um and then I made it I nearly made it to the end of the shift it was like 6 a.m um and I just went into the office to like finish up all my notes and then the head nurse for that night she was just like hey you don't look so good and this is what I'm wearing an N95 <laughs> she was yeah. like your eyes are all glassy and you're sweating like, like buckets time I someone like, noticed <laughs> I was like no no I'm just like really really moisturized <laughs> it's like no I, I don't think so uh, and then someone else they all started snitching on me and all the nurses like yeah yeah I heard her cough I heard her sneeze oh, um no. so she's like yeah I'd be really comfortable if you just like did a rat and I was like no it's not it's not it like I slept with the AC on I just have a yeah. cold they're like please just do it like well I'll know for sure I oh. did it like literally within like half a second like it, it there's two two dots and oh, yeah no. it's positive and they were like yeah yeah we're gonna have to send you home for seven days but you know what luckily at, at the end of the seven days like yeah. I had a flight booked for um the Whit Sundays yeah with a friend we went on a sailing trip yeah so that was so wow, you were out like of ISO by then? Perfectly trying. Yeah, 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 I was definitely out of ISO. And by is it then, paid it isolation? Like the timing wasn't it? No, because oh. I'm working locum, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Well, I'm glad you survived. You made it out. You haven't got like long COVID or like then the periods of exhaustion post COVID? Because a few people were saying, well, I about hope that. so. How have you been feeling? I don't know. Um, I'm not too sure because I can never gauge how I am. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly run down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I if this always, is my usual tiredness or COVID tiredness. <laughs> I always tend to like just put myself down if I am feeling whatever. I'm just like, nah, I'm just yeah. lazy. Nah, I'm just a fat cow. Yeah, <laughs> I can't just like own up to the fact that I might be sick. You have the right to not feel great. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, fair enough. And how's your Ramadan? So wait, was this in Ramadan that you got your COVID? Oh my God, yeah, it was. So it was the last oh, week. Yeah. So I was like, I was in isolation during Eid. Tell me but like, you know, what to else part. was I going to do? Yeah, I did. Because I was <gasps> just lying in bed all day. To be honest, I didn't even have the energy to get out of bed and like didn't do that, like, anything. Didn't mess with your hydration heat? Possibly, possibly. But you know, it's all right. Yeah, wow. Okay. made it through yeah. I was like just in water for like seven days after that and how was your Ramadan being sort of remote and by yourself and you know it was like the most strangest experience in my life I, I obviously I keep telling you and you know this like mm. um I'm just so used to like our house being like a revolving door and being with mm. family constantly and seeing fa- friends and going to like that every night in, in mm. our local mosque mm um back in Dublin so Mm. this was just so odd not only was it like so isolating because Mm. it's in a completely new state in Australia and I'm working locum in a regional place yeah Um, you had like even less connections than you did when you were here or like away from yeah even than in Perth because at least in Perth like I did stuff with you and other people and my housemates but um and other friends but uh here yeah I really anticipated or at least like aim to like go to the mosque here because there's a huge like Albanian community here oh yeah yeah, yeah there's loads of mosques here and like honestly like oh, ev- in Victoria yeah oh, no wow. Shepherdson. like literally every third female yeah. is a hijabi 
That's that so I walk awesome. past. I thought all the Albanians were in Melbourne. It's amazing. They probably are, but there's like a yeah. huge community here too. And I really thought I would go on the last 10 days, but then I got COVID. And then obviously didn't celebrate it properly. Mm. But it was cool. That's it right. You're fun. alone anyway. It's almost like a small mercy. You don't feel left <laughs> out because you're like on your own. <laughs> Speaking of Albania, I'm in Serbia at the moment. So I've, um, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've, I'm here for a bit. And of, then you were in Dubai, but, right? Yeah. Well, so my plan was to go to Dubai. So remember the last, um, the last, one of the last podcast episodes, I sort of had that throwaway comment about moving to London. I actually did want to yeah. move to London for like a good year or so, and it didn't work out. Um, I needed a work visa and then I would have to like change jobs and get a job there to get sponsored on that visa because I missed like the cutoff date. But for the bloody UK embassy to assess that, it took them like a good seven weeks or something. And the maximum time that it says on their website is three weeks. So yeah. in full comfort, I had booked my um, holidays to be like six, seven weeks after my application had been put in and they had taken my passport. By the way, what the heck? Oh. They actually physically take your passport? Like they don't give you e-visa? The strangest, most backward thing ever. Anyway, um, so yeah, they had my passport and I was stressing out and I, I don't know if you copped any of it, but like Shamima was saying that I didn't tell her anything, but I was just like, how? I've just been like spilling my problems onto everyone because I was so stressed for like a good three weeks. Like, oh, my passport. No, I remember you saying that you're supposed to travel to Dubai, but you just yeah. didn't have your passport on you. Yeah, my cousin was there for her honeymoon and then I was supposed to meet up with them and like spend a couple of days doing stuff. My friend lives there, Asil, Asil, she lives there and I was supposed to meet yeah, yeah. there. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up missing all of that entirely. I had to reschedule my flights for like next week. And what? then, dude, this processing company that the UK MC uses, like shocking. They don't, don't have a phone number. Their email address, no one monitors it. I literally had to go in there like six times that one week and be like, and then and like multiple times in the one day because they were like, we're going to call you by like 1 p.m. And by like 3 p.m., I said, nobody would have still called. So I literally had to like camp out in there like waiting room until somebody gave me my passport back it was insane um but yeah alhamdulillah I eventually got my passport and everything worked out like quite smoothly so I think there was some sort of hair in that delay definitely but yeah then I only spent one day in Dubai unfortunately my cousin was leaving that same day so I did get to see her in the morning um and then yeah came to Serbia for some meetings and stuff um for work and then um surprisingly had the weekend off so I went to Bosnia as well which is really cool because I wasn't expecting to get that in oh that's really nice how far is Bosnia yeah. from Serbia it's all it's like, like in it's the like Balkans, a flight to like... Geraldton, yeah. It was, it was only like 15 oh, minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like I think so it is good. actually a four-hour drive if you drive. But yeah, I flew over there. I spent like two days in Sarajevo. It's actually so beautiful, but it's also so different. Like I thought it would be very similar to Belgrade because, you know, it used to be the same country at all. Completely yeah. different, different landscape, different architecture, everything. And there's a lot of Arabic tourism really in Bosnia different. as well. That was surprising. I didn't know that. Arabic. Heaps of Omani, Saudis, yeah. And apparently this oh. is like pre-season anyway, next month when school holidays are on. It gets packed yeah. with Arab tourists. That's really weird because I remember um, when I went on my interrailing trip um, mm. to Eastern Europe, it was, we went to Prague and it just happened to be Eid on that day, Eid al-Adha. Mm. And there were so many, like, so many Khalijis there, like in Prague. Oh, yeah. I don't get it. Okay, that's so maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's a thing. And I've heard Georgia. Maybe Georgia is like the new, like, destination for a lot of Saudis and stuff to go holidaying as well. Is it like luxury holidaying without the crowds i don't know i don't know although i don't know what the problem is with crowds yeah i love like a boston tourist city i have to be honest I, you know i love istanbul my cousin's there at the moment she was like saying i hate it she's like i hate all the busy areas i actually got like a place in like a really quiet little local area and she's like now i'm enjoying the city and i was like no we're not the same 
I love it. <laughs> Wait, you went to Istanbul as well? I couldn't have missed that. Uh, no, my my cousin's there. I'll be going, but oh, okay. not just yet. Yeah, I'm actually really excited. I'm going to see my granddad inshallah on Thursday in Amsterdam. So, oh, inshallah, I haven't seen nice. him since like 2018. Gosh, you were all over the place. I know. Look at you. But I'm Catch literally flights. getting like, yeah, <laughs> catching not feeling. feelings. <laughs> like, come on, I haven't traveled since like 2020 early 2020s so I'm gonna get it all out of my system um yeah so our topic today on the topic of Ramadan and traveling and sort of balancing life and stuff I thought we yeah. could talk a little bit about I guess the balancing of trying to have, maintain like deen iman a spiritual life versus being like a working professional or how to incorporate your working professional life with your deen and your spiritual life because I'm honestly yeah. struggling that's actually such I'm a seriously good struggling. Now that reword actually really hit me. You're so right. Because when you think about it, like your your spirituality and your iman and stuff is your real life, right? And all these other things are like it accessories is. that get you there. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like you're trying to make little moments of time just to like squeeze in your prayers or your zikr or whatever. Did you did no, you 100%. get a spiritual reboost this Ramadan, do you feel? Or were you achieving no. sort of getting sick and I'm just gonna alive? be honest. Well that too, I think all of that added into it, like the loneliness, mm. the remoteness. Mm. Um was working really hard as well the first half of Ramadan, but like the last half was just absolutely exhausted and floored. Mm. Um so maybe I just didn't feel the emotion of not kind of making it spiritually because I feel like if I didn't get sick and if I didn't um and if it wasn't like completely alone I would have been very hard on myself if I didn't kind of meet my Ramadan goals per se but like now I'm kind of like oh it is what it is which I feel very bad about now afterwards yeah I don't know does that make sense and you can't yeah fix it but at the same time you had so many extenuating circumstances as well so it's nice to sort of be kind to yourself um I don't know if my if I can even be kind to myself because I just feel like I've I've made excuses to not truly after um afterwards like I just kind of think about it I'm like oh I could have maybe done more yeah I but mean, I, I definitely could have not maybe it's I always definitely easier could've. to feel that after the fact yeah you know I had yeah. sort of like I had moments where I had like slumps or like a few days where I just wasn't like getting as much I guess spiritual time in and stuff um and then I would just be like oh you know it's fine it's just like I'm, it's just burnout it's just this it's just that and then like I had to really wake myself up at one point because I went through sort of like a, a couple days and then I was like oh my god like there's only like this many days left like what am I doing sort of thing um, yeah. Really, yeah wake myself up because I think when you're in that situation and then like sort of the worse mood you are in the more it enables you to like do less and less do you know what I mean yeah yeah but you um, know how like you try to I don't know you know when I was younger I was kind of told like try to work your entire life around salah and the five prayers you know yeah um and not the other way around but I just mm-hmm. feel like with Ramadan passing and having to have worked throughout it alone without family and community I just felt it was so easy to completely wrap my entire life around my work schedule yeah like the way you said my spiritual life was kind of on the back burner yeah yeah and then everything else kind of revolved around my shift yeah but to be honest shift work is also another thing yeah I mean I don't I work a very stable sort of, you know, eight to five or whatever, but I really struggle with that as well. And I, I can't say in all honesty that my um, life is planned around my salah. It's almost more like, oh, I plan my salah around whenever I can get a break or get away from my desk and stuff. And it's um, best way to live, to be honest. And it's not even like a Ramadan unique thing. I think it's just generally. No. 
It is generally as well, but then you feel it a bit more during Ramadan as well. Absolutely, yeah. Like the, the sort of guilt and the awareness is, is a lot more sharpened, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I just I'm finding it very hard to connect with the depth of Ramadan in a very personal way now without family yeah. and, and friends. Mm. Um, and now as someone who works as well full time with really odd hours, yeah. um, I'm, I'm finding that really, really tough and challenging. I think that's the the key sort of problem because, you know, when I was at university and stuff, I'm sure I was very busy, but I didn't struggle the way I struggle being a working like person. I think once yeah, same. you sort of full-time work, it's really difficult to be like an active participating Muslim, even just between you yourself and like God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, don't know, know if, what that is. Do you think like, it's because it's designed like other that people? Way? Designed to like drive out your spirituality and sort of just make you like this working capitalist joyful? Work life, yes. Mm. I mean, like, you just feel like a complete drone. Everything, even your own dreams and life ambitions, whatever mm. they may be outside of work, I feel like all of it is on the back now. You know, yeah. there's nothing else. I feel like I'm drained of my creativity, my enthusiasm, any other, like, creative ambitions that I've had. I just don't yeah. think about it anymore. And I, I mean, it's not even, you know, I mean, we're not so depressing. people. <laughs> yeah, it really is, yeah. Because, I mean, another thing that I notice every time I travel to, like, like eastern culture countries like which i i mm-hmm. consider like i guess this um slavic reason to be part of is like even here in belgrade right like they, they're not muslims or whatnot you know i'm sure their prayer schedules and stuff are very different being orthodox christians but people just yeah. participate in life so much more like there's people out in cafes they're with their families they're like there's you know parents walking their kids around to parks and stuff like all hours of the day and people actually get up to stuff after a work day whereas like yeah. i don't know what it's like in ireland but in Australia you've seen it we literally have no cafe culture we have like happy hour between five to six where everyone like chucks in a beer after work or whatever and then goes home and like even yeah. on the weekends it's like pretty dead like people don't actually enjoy life and spend time with their families and stuff like organically the way they really like I remember loving that in Lebanon I love that in Turkey like people just sit with their neighbors and drink tea and like just yeah. do things I just feel like all of that is sucked out your soul in, I'm like, starting to notice that more now like I said, as a working person, now that I'm kind of entering the third year of like full-time work life, mm-hmm. I remember um, when I was back in Perth, I had like um, the Sudani Reg and he was like, he was so cool. Um, he, he was a senior doctor uh, on the emergency floor there. And mm-hmm. we were just talking about his plans for the future when he kind of um, gets his promotion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, are you thinking of moving out east, going to the bigger cities? And he was just like, you know, Mishkath, after a couple of years or when you're much older you'll you'll just realize that um mm. like as a muslim the in the entire world is the exact same for you when it comes to like western cultures right right no matter where you go it's mm. all going to be the same yeah and he was like maybe you won't notice it now because you're young and you just want to have fun but like you know at, at my age i just want to be like um like you mentioned like in an eastern kind of environment oh, where right. did he want to move back home um, I think ideally, yes, but that's obviously yeah. not really a possibility. But he was talking mm-hmm. about how he might possibly move to the Middle East. He was like, I just want to be in a place where praying five times a day in between work is normal, mm-hmm. yeah. that there, that all that is facilitated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the culture. And then after work, I can just chill with my buddies and like my mates and my family yeah. and cafes up until like midnight if I wanted to. Yeah. Um and it's the done like, thing, just, not the frowned upon thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was like, there's just no way you can do any of that in 
either Sydney or um, Melbourne or London, whatever. It's all the same everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And I just remember, um, I think like soon after that, I went on a trip to Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Mm. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was such a nice like break that I really, really needed. Mm. I was just like on the beach all day, just in the water. And then just like, I, I think I read like five books that week. Mm. I was supposed to be there for a medical conference, but it was only like a weekend thing. And then just the, the whole time I was just on the beach. Mm. Um, and then they have a really famous like um, street right beside uh, Noosa Beach called Hastings Street. It's like really famous for its boutiques, mm. um, its restaurants. And then I just remember like, I think I just really wanted to feel clean because, you know, we get really clammy and like yeah. the in the tropical kind of like Queensland state, like it's just yeah, yeah. really humid Sweaty. there. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I just want to feel clean. And then I remember ranting with a friend. She was like, how'd you find it? And I was like, proper ranting. And I was mm. just like, where's the hose? Like, I just need a hose. I need to feel clean. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's in those moments you start to realize that like your culture is just not the default. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Weird little tangent on hoses, but they didn't have any in yeah. now. That's what I found shocking. They don't have them in Belgrade, which is okay, but the bus is a Muslim country. What the hell? Why am I having to like do they have a water bottle? No, like they have a tank or not a tank, like a water can? No, no, like nothing. Weird. In public toilets and hotel toilets and stuff anyway, which was, yeah, strange. But anyway, I totally, yeah, I get what you mean. And I think it makes such a big difference when those things are facilitated because like growing up going to an Islamic school, like when they give you that time to go pray and everyone prays together and they're like, everyone with little time, 15 minutes, you know, everyone everyone into the prayer hall, everyone into the prayer hall. Like it it makes so much. And then you still get your lunch break, you know, you're not having to sort of (laughs) into your lunch break. And like the same in Saudi, you know, like you'd get this time to go pray and there was on Salah and stuff. Like it was so good. And that was part of your lunch break. But like the fact that, you know, people would see you sort of walking around all of a sudden in the middle of a wet day in flip-flops with wet feet. Nobody's asking what yeah. you're doing, you know? <laughs> Whereas like, I feel like in the office and stuff, as, as friendly and, and sort of welcoming and, and accommodating as my office has been where in my current workplace to like my prayer schedule and my sort of um, religiosity, I absolutely feel like this implicit sort of need to um, be less Muslim. Yes. To like minimize my Muslimness and just be like, oh, I just, you know, can we take a, like, can we schedule this meeting for 30 minutes later? I just need a bit of a break. I'm just burnt out rather than, hey, like I need to go, you know, do my ablutions and pray because that's everyone's going to be like, or it makes everyone else awkward. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like everyone tries to be like nice, but, you know, really that they be thinking things. Yeah, yeah, and you definitely feel it. Yeah, so I'm um, like, because I remember there was one time um, there was a guy in the office who was like one of the senior people, and he had worked in Dubai for like a couple of years and stuff. So he yeah. was asking me, like, it was the beginning of Ramadan. This was before work from home stuff, and he was asking me, "Oh, like, do you fast all the thirty days the entire month?" Like, I've been fasting the entire thirty days since I was like twelve or something, you know. But then I was like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, I mean, I try to. I'm not hundred percent, but I try to." And then I was like, "Why the hell did I say that? Like, why? Yeah, do you know what why, I mean? Like, I was." I don't know. And I and it's so weird because, you know, like I am a very like publicly religious person as well, but I just felt like, oh, I need to like make this look like it's less of a thing than it is Yeah. internally. And I don't know if that's just my own like psychological issues or whatever, but I just, I felt like, oh, I have to do that. And like, even when I, um, I don't know, I just remember being like younger and people asking me about like things like, oh, hijab or whatever. And I just have to like, I'd be like, oh yeah, no, nah, you can do whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. Even though I like, that's not really true, you know? <laughs> I mean, you can do whatever you want, but you're not supposed to do whatever you want and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, I think like, like one of my bosses definitely like asked, like he was a South African man, like a white South African man. And he was just like, um, <clears throat> oh, like when he, he was like, oh, are you really like religious? And mm-hmm. I was like, um, sure. Like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> like, I don't know what his like barometer of religiosity is. And he was yeah. like, oh, I mean, like, do you drink? And I was like, no, I don't drink. And um, I think I just chuckled because I was like, oh, was, I, I didn't realize that was kind of like the gauge that we had for measuring people's right. faith. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, do you pray five times a day? And I was like, yeah, I try to. And then I was like, why did I say I try to? Like, of course right. I do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. See, like, it's just such, an, such a weird little thing that you fall into doing without even realizing. I, I get it. I get it when you yeah. say it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, um, I mean, I, this doesn't really apply now as I'm older, but I remember when I was much younger and I was working in like a retail store and stuff, there was a few other Muslim guys in the store and it like indirectly made it a little bit more difficult for me because I would ask for like time out to pray and stuff. We're like, yes. oh, I, need, I need to go and make, although I need to go pray, blah, blah, blah. And you know, when you're like working in retail and everyone's young and everyone's a lot more like itchy and like hostile, you know, because everyone's like, everyone thinks their job's the be all and end all. Yeah. Like I remember like on the days when I'd have to actually go and make wudu because I didn't have wudu or anything or whatever. They were like, why did your break take so long today? Why this? Why that? You know, why doesn't Ahmed take a break? Why doesn't, you know, Ali take a break? Why doesn't? Yeah. And then they just make it like harder for you as a, like trying to be practicing Muslim. Because yeah. they're, they're there, they're, they're from the same school as you, they're from the same background as you, same religion as you, and they're not, like, doing the same thing. And there are even times where other people will, like, minimize what you need to do as well. So, um, like, every time I've had, like, a, I guess, like, an ethnically, like, Aust- I guess there's no such thing as ethnic Australian unless you're, you're, like, first Australian. But, like, let's say a white person, right? I really tried to, mm-hmm. guys, I tried not to say white person, but there's no other way. <laughs> They're a lot like a lot more accommodating, and the the one time that I've had a, a manager or like a supervisor or whatever who has made it an issue that I wanted to break my fast, that I wanted to take time to pray, it was an ethnic person. I think it was Lebanese or Egyptian or something. I can't remember. But um, yeah, he was like, "Well, no, you don't have to this and that." Like, oh, it was Ramadan, and I I had a night class. I was teaching a night class, and I was like, "Yeah, look, I just can't do this first one because I and it was an optional class as well." I was like, "I need like you know this time to go and pray and and eat my um." you know just break my fast and stuff I was like no you can break your fast anytime afterwards you don't have to break it on the do- on the spot you don't have to pray right then blah blah blah. I know I've had Muslim friends I've worked in Saudi Arabia blah 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 and like made it a thing where that could be like a massive HR issue if I like raise the complaint you know but like, yeah but like no white person would ever dare to do anything like that it had to be the one other ethnic like he was non-Muslim but still you know like only it's only sort of your own people that take liberties with you in that way does that make sense <laughs> yeah I get you and it's harder to kind of like put up a fight with them especially it gets embarrassing as well in front of other people yeah, yeah exactly yeah because you're they're like undercutting you yeah and that's what I feel like would sometimes happen you know because like if like let's say in that retail store if I took a while to like take a break or whatever or you know um go make my wuzu and stuff it would be like one like not all of them but like one of the other Muslims who would be like oh yeah no why is she gone for that long and like almost like egging on like the white people to like try and be one of them and it was but did yeah. you ever feel like the pressure to overcompensate at work because you know you were taking time out for example not in that job because I didn't give a f about it it was just like my little yeah no but like, like in, in your in general in yeah job. um like yeah not not like an active pressure just because you know me like I'm very compartmentalized when it comes to my job I don't like usually let it 
get to me outside of where my work hours are and stuff. But yeah, sometimes when I like have to take a break or I have to do whatever and I feel like it's visible, then I do try to stay back. And But I just feel like this kind of immense pressure to deliver even more at work. Right. If I was to take a break for a prayer mm-hmm. or whatever, or to like, I don't know, break my fast. Yeah. Nothing. And like, is that like a lived experience or is it just something you worry about? Uh, no, no, truly did feel like that though. So like when you, when you do take breaks and stuff, you, you then like go into overdrive afterwards? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Because yeah. I just don't want anyone, any of my bosses or anyone to turn around and say, well, you know, you're letting this, this get your to you break. and this is affecting yeah, yeah. your work. Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Not that anyone makes a big deal out of it. Yeah. But, but maybe it's all in feel that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and because it's always like you're different. Do you know what I mean? When you're behaving differently to how everyone else is behaving, you're going to have that not just you know your brownness or your muslimness even if you were like mm. the only white person in a brown area or whatever it'd be different mm-hmm. um the- but i just think this whole like modern day work-life balance uh, i just it's very subjective isn't it you know just I, how things are meant to be honestly like you know even people no. like raising kids and stuff like they have a kid and then like two months into the kid's life like the kid's spending its entire life with like strangers and they don't actually get to enjoy having that kid or raising it because they've got to go back to work and like provide yeah i'm just like well, what's the motivation and like why do people continue to have children if they don't even get to spend any time like raising with their child i really don't know i can't tell you like but it. i just yeah like i just feel like i don't know i don't know what you've been told about modern day you mm-hmm. know work-life balance but i i just always was under the impression when i was a kid mm-hmm. when i was a kid when i was much younger mm-hmm. um I don't know for, for an executive that works like 60 to 70 hours a week um if they make it a point to like get home for dinner at 6 p.m every mm-hmm. evening then they've mastered work-life balance which just really doesn't work that way though because it's all based on expectations because like what if your family aren't don't appreciate the fact that you spend like 90 percent of your energy at work yeah. and they only get like a sliver of who you are or the empty yeah. shell of a person when you come home for dinner because that's what I felt like I was I just yeah. when I came home I was exhausted and just, just didn't want to like communicate with anyone mm-hmm. and I felt for like three months straight when I was working like 90 to 100 hour week um I, I felt like I didn't even see my family yeah or, or like care to see them or want to see them anymore because you're just yeah tired. yeah yeah I'm like but truly I'm- I feel like I've communicated more with them while I was yeah. in Australia because I have so much more time here yeah. than I was when I was actually living with them yeah. under the same roof no, I absolutely get that yeah like not that I'm like you know excessively exhausted from work and stuff especially since working from home I feel like it's really helped me have more balance but yeah like I just feel like I I think when you work full-time you and especially when you like factor in commute and stuff you don't have the time to do anything but work yeah. and I remember that being like the first real perk of working from home was that I could actually like go out and see friends or go over to someone like go over to see my grandma on a weekday and then not feel like oh crap I'm knackered for the rest of the week yeah it was the best isn't that nice like, yeah and <laughs> <Sorry. be> nice. <laughs> yeah it's your fault for having a real like present job <laughs> work remotely I will quit soon mark my words um, <laughs> but yeah I don't know man yeah work-life balance is crazy um what's something that you I know you said you sort of feel like you didn't hit your goals spiritually in Summerland but what's some I guess little things that you can um say that you've done that maybe I could pick up those habits or you know vice versa someone one of our listeners or whatever that have really helped improve your spirituality because I think it's always in the little things as well you know like sometimes I think yeah it's big gestures and like complete changes in attitude whereas it's just the yeah. um 
bringing on of little habits that can really help. I think for me, it was like, I just wanted to do my car like after my morning and evening salon. Yeah. Which I'm still not on top of, to be honest. Yeah. Do you know what I do with that? I've got, I don't know if you've been in my car when we've been driving. Oh around, yeah, but I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like an audio of it that I've downloaded from YouTube and then put on like times two speed. And I just listen to that yeah. and I read with it and that helps me like, even if I'm not hundred percent focused, but it helps me get it done. And I realized when I don't go anywhere and I'm just at home, then I sort of miss the mark because I'm not driving and thinking, oh crap, I better put on my car, you know? Yeah. But don't you feel weird though when you listen to it super fast? Because I don't know if you know the phenomenon, you know, like in Asia where um, uh, during Ramadan, like the imam just like recites at like multiply mm. by five, ten. <laughs> and then you uh, kind of lose the meaning and the essence of everything. Yeah. Do I've been to one mosque like where, where it happened. Yeah. But no, because I, I mean, like, I've memorized them and I also know like exactly what words I'm saying and stuff. I feel like it's not too fast. Okay. And I talk fast anyway. So maybe I'm just like used to it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think one thing that I did this Ramadan that was really different and like sort of really hit me was um, I I remember watching this thing by like, um, you know, like years and years ago. And he was like, if your Ramadan has not like the way, you know, your Ramadan has been successful is if you find yourself closer to the Quran somehow. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, because my plan was initially just to, you know, like finish an entire recitation of the Quran and then do like another one, I guess, through my prayers, like in Tarawih and stuff. But then I was yeah. like, I did, I did that last year. I was like, what's different this year? How am I going to be like closer, you know? So I started listening yeah. to the English translation of the Quran. Yeah. And it was, it's a long, dude, it's riveting. No, like, well, because I'll, I'll just, re- you know, do my normal reading. I'll do my Tarawih. And then another way that I, I wanted to finish reading the entire Quran in English as well. And I it's just so hard to sit down with a book and read these days. And like, so I found it was easier like when I was washing the dishes or whatever to like just have it, the audio on my, in my ear. What and are you doing this into? Um, I found this one by Sakina Saidi. It's like the, a modern translation of the Quran. It's, um, you know, that white and blue book? No. It's by. Anyway, I'll send you a link afterwards. But yeah, okay, it was cool. So it, it's like good because it's in modern English. It's not like thousy, etc. Like, so you can actually yeah. understand as it goes on. And one light was riveting. It's like such good storytelling and also like really, really moving as well. I think that helped me a lot. And I, um, but you know what? I actually came across this hadith mm-hmm. that said that um, every Muslim should complete the Quran at least once a month. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I've heard that one, but it's something like, oh, if you delay, I don't know if it's completion like of the Sahih Quran or for more than 30 days, I think you've left it for yeah. too long or something. Hey? Yeah. 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 And I just, I know that's not possible for everyone, but I feel like similar to you, like I do, you know, complete the reading and try to do my some extra revision every year. But but what am I doing different? Like how yeah. am I improving? I don't feel like I'm kind of moving beyond that bar. I keep yeah. it at that, that minimum. <clears throat> and like even just trying to read Quran regularly or like even like I'm going to say this and I want to be honest, like I don't yeah. think I've ever finished the Quran except in Ramadan. Do you know what I mean? Like same between Same. one Ramadan well, to the other. Like I'll read pages and stuff. Like I'm not saying I don't read the Quran at all, and I'll I'll get somewhere, but I definitely don't read enough to finish the Quran between one Ramadan to another. No, I can't say anything different to be honest. Which is like shocking. Like that just makes you think like how little you know how like Islam is supposed to be the central sort of thing in your life, and everything else is fitting around it. Like yeah. I really don't think I'm achieving that. Yeah. No, but I like, don't you just genuinely feel like <clears throat> once you start, when did you start working like full time, like in your legit job? Um, I think I'm in my fifth year now. So I was doing like full time work in little odd jobs, but not like my proper like, yeah. yeah. Don't you feel like your job or your career 
has just become larger than life almost like it's just taken center stage yeah absolutely yeah it's like yeah everything else in my life I just like it's like the salt on top of the, the food do you know what I mean like the actual food, yeah that's the seasoning the actual food is my bloody job it just takes up such a heat chunk of my life that it's like yeah yeah I just don't think I, it's, I'm finding it very hard I mentioned this probably like the 10th time I said this but I'm I just can't integrate the reality of my life mm-hmm. with my work life and do you like your job because I think like I mean for me I actually even like my job and I even think it gives me a good like work-life balance and stuff so it's not especially since working from home has started so I imagine if you're in a situation where you don't actually enjoy your job and then you're working these massive shifts and stuff and like not having enough stability that it would drive you absolutely insane I don't hate it but it's not like what you'd want to be doing I, I just don't want. feel like I have ownership of it do you know what I mean yeah does that make sense in the sense that I just feel like if I come out of this you know after like a decade of work Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't have felt like I I achieved anything like I don't have that kind of satisfaction really I don't know there's like I don't know if you were like an architect or something you've well true but I just feel like (laughs) I haven't created anything (laughs) you know like some people come out of like I don't know if you're an architect and you Mm -hmm. come out of designing a building you can walk by something and be like I I created this Mm -hmm. I don't know it's a different feeling but I, I, <laughs> I find it really interesting because I, I know so what you mean, but I feel like so many people probably would wish to be in a situation where they're able to like actively help human beings in a way that you do and like in a, in a real like Im- immediate impact on their life type of way. I think um, I, I feel good in that sense when I, when I feel, start to feel guilty about like everything else in my life becoming a peripheral aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, at least my work is kind of meaningful. <laughs> And, and I mean, it's, it's Hassanat as well, you know, on the topic of trying to achieve work-life balance. I mean, like, I'm sure, you know, as many IT projects as I manage, I'm not necessarily, like, getting the sort of Hassanat that you are by, like, actually improving people's lives and their lifestyles and their, you know, like, their day-to-day health. Whereas I can well, be like, oh, I mean, yeah, you know, everything's on budget actions. and on schedule, but it's not really, like, earning me any points along the way. I mean, all actions are by intention, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, what do we do? How do we improve this short of like finding sugar daddies or just quitting and you know being stay at home daughters yes yes <laughs> and yes graph <laughs> work-life balance focus on total life balance because <laughs> I'm like I don't know you know I feel like back in the day you know like you had your own little corner store or whatever you know everything was in like was to a much smaller scale so I feel like it yeah. was a lot easier to manage and also like you know when you needed to shut your general store because you know someone in your family had passed away or whatever like the whole community would be a lot more empathetic because they were all involved oh to some extent or whatever and your circle was a lot like smaller whereas now I feel yeah. because everything's so connected it also has these negative effects of you needing to be available and switched on and working yeah. all the time so what's the yeah. What's the dream life for you? What do you sort of envision yourself being able to do where you, you might be able to achieve like a total life balance, as you call it? Um, I'm just, I don't know. Like, honestly, I really, truly see myself not working full time in the next five years. Mm. But I don't know if that will change anything. Like, does, I don't know. Do you know anyone who works part time and still feels like they have a hold on their life? I don't know. I know it's really helped some of my friends who are like parents and stuff. But again, like, I feel like, it's like lifestyle creep you know the more money you make the less rich you feel yes true true so it's almost like the more time you have you'll still struggle to like well because I definitely found that with working from home I feel like the first Ramadan working from home I had an amazing Ramadan but by the second Ramadan I was so used to it that again I already felt like I didn't have enough time again you know 
Yeah. I yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I think um what's it called? I, I just find um there's also a lot of like guilt associated with this like work life balance. So mm. I don't know, for example, like if we know that we've fulfilled the rights of our workplace, yeah. then we shouldn't technically feel guilty if we left to work at five o'clock just because everybody else expects us to stay longer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. but that also creeps up on you. Mm-hmm. Same way like moms feel guilty for leaving their kids behind. Yeah, yeah. When they go to work. So yeah. These are just more problems than adding. And you also, yeah, you also don't <laughs> yeah. want to be that one person from like a minority group that leaves on time and insists on leaving on time when everyone else stays back as well. I feel like that's another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. starting to do that now, though. I start to do that now. Like, I get really like antsy when it's like past five o'clock. Yeah. Now, I just I don't think you should be kind to your workplace. You know, at the end of the day, like if you die, they're going to replace you within two days. You know what I mean? Like, you're not. Yeah. You're not personally valuable to them as an organization. So mm. I think it's important to make sure that you sort of set the boundaries with them that you would with any other thing in your life. Mm. Um, so no tips on how to sort of hack the situation then? I think, well, like, I mean, I used to be like a really big fan of, um, do, you, do you remember like the Productive Muslim blog? I don't know if it's still a thing now. I don't know. If I, if I'm You've never heard of it? I don't know. It was a really cool blog back in the days, okay? Mm-hmm. But he always used to talk about how we need to like, like shepherd our time in order to like fulfill all our responsibilities even if it's challenged so like I don't know like let's say your responsibility of fulfilling your salah like you know it's such a challenge because we're often like chronically late for like salah because of hectic days or commute Mm. meetings whatever but he always emphasized being a shepherd in every role and even just trying to fulfill the bare minimum rights um, in order to succeed in life. And I just, I felt like it was easier to implement that when you were like younger or in school or in uni. But what I don't know, mean? I'm just How finding that really. So it comes from that like hadith that, you know, each of you, you're a shepherd and each of you is responsible for his flock. You know, so the emir who is over the people, mm. um, he is a shepherd and he's responsible for his flock. A man is a shepherd and he's in charge of like, the inhabitants of his household so he's responsible for his flock for them um etc etc do you know what i mean so if you think about a shepherd his role isn't just to do the bare minimum of keeping the flock alive Mm -hmm. but it's to nurture and grow the flock and make sure they just they thrive beyond survival um it's an interesting concept but i just sorry i don't understand so then how does that translate into you being a shepherd of your salah or whatever or your work life Okay. I don't know because I'm finding it hard to search for new pastures, to tend to the sick, to ensure the young ones are taken care of. <laughs> I don't know. What are you? What do you think are the solutions? I just I'm, just, I'm just not sure how that it like how how does it apply then? So I I can understand in the sense that when you're the shepherd of people, but then how do you become the shepherd of your time or whatever? Does that just or mean like household. making sure you use your time productively so that you're then in a yeah. place where you're facilitating your salah or something? Yeah, I, I, I completely understand that he's trying to say that you need to be mindful of your time. But I just right. feel like the world has been constructed in such a way that it's it's shrinking your time. Yeah, I think so, I, so that you're diverted elsewhere. Yeah. Like you're, you're so like I was talking to my exhausted that you don't have day. the time. Yeah. yeah, you don't you don't have the mind space to even like think about it. Like who wants to like come home mm-hmm. and then like, I mean, people do it. But like, you know, if you like who wants to come challenge home a power and, like, structure or whatever. I feel mm, like read hadith or right. read tafsir 
But don't you feel like, like and that's twelve hours in my my sort of you know rebellious upbringing or whatever. But like, don't you feel like it's designed like that so that you don't then have the time to challenge like power structures? You're just yeah. too exhausted, and you're just like, oh, I'll just get on with my next day rather than like you know thinking yeah. about should this guy really be the prime minister or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so that you just kind of like you're just um, it, it's like the Pavlovian effect or whatever. You know, you're just you're being dangled that carrot. You're just waiting yeah. for the next paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Because I was talking to my dad about, I don't know, we're just talking about like, you know, mortgage system and how like, um, oh, we're just talking about the challenges of buying property now. Mm. And he's very, very much like against Riba and all that and mm. taking out a mortgage for homes. And I was just like, but the thing is, there is leeway. Like yeah. we do have like the opinions of Faqih who said, yeah. who have made like mention that, I mean, if you're living in the modern world it's not even like the eastern middle Easter, you know muslim country like it's everywhere like yeah the world is centered on interest like there's no other function like there's no other way of like going yeah, yeah. about this um so i mean like I, yes there is um ruling on it in the quran which is quite mm. obvious but mm. the world is just centered around this one um way of finance right like it's set up this way sure and then i think he was like going into this argument of yeah well just because everybody else is falling into the lizard's hole doesn't mean we do too and i just you kind of don't know where to go with it you know yeah yeah Let's try to establish the link backwards so how did we get on this so what i'm trying to say is yeah i don't think i'm gonna work full-time in the next five and I, th- I might just quit by then I don't even know yeah. listen I think a lot of that is also our, our like privilege and our, that we have the luxury to do that do you know what I mean like, yeah so, like a, a lot, lot of people, people don't. don't have the options as well yeah so guys if you're struggling with um trying to keep your faith and your iman up <clears throat> unfortunately we don't really have um good proactive solutions for you but I think one thing that I can say that really helps is just I think having sort of this is going to sound so weird but you know when you do workout videos and they're like think about which muscle you're using the mind muscle connection blah blah i think that that like just having this awareness of like god all the time like trying to actually be like okay what am i because i realize i do this sometimes you know if i'm like just about to do something i'm like oh you know screw it let's just do it but i need to think wait is this a sin or like a good deed you know before i do things like that so just introducing little, little like um thought changes even can be a step you know, even when it's not practical, like, yes, do little things, you know, give charity, give, oh, actually on that note, I remember this thing that I posted you, on, okay. on my Instagram, like a while ago, but it's this young Yemeni kid from the UK and he was given a talk in, in the masjid and he was like talking to, I don't know why, but he was, I think he was talking about like people being ex-drug dealers and stuff. And he was like, you just need to take that. You need to take that back to the drug dealers, the, the constant running theme of this podcast. <laughs> but he's like, you need to take that same mentality that you had when you were a drug dealer and you were like, you wake up and you'd be like, all right, I've got to get rid of this stash today or whatever, right? So he's like, you need yeah. to wake up and you need to think like that. Like, what am I doing today to stack up my good deeds, you know? And he's like, you know, do it like and you'll see opportunities sort of pop up in front of you as you go along, you know, like or carrying someone's bag for them or, you know, like um, vacuuming the masjid or, you know, like just little, little things will pop into your head because you've just got this like go-getter mentality of like, okay, what's the next thing that I can do to stack up my numbers basically? So I think that's really good advice because you're, then you're, really not good, actually. Yeah, you're not necessarily changing your lifestyle per se because you don't have the luxury to do that all the time, but now you're changing your attitude and it's introducing little opportunities for you. I think that's a really good thing. So being present and mindful. Yeah, I think mindfulness, which, you know, now we've just come full circle and we're just teaching people the yoga mentality. 
<laughs> no, because now that you mention it, I, d- mm. I did remember, I do remember um, like this hadith where the Prophet was encouraging um, people to give charity. And, mm. um, and then he said, but then there's something even better than charity. Mm. And that is um, just doing vicar. And that's, that's available to everyone. But he was saying that to someone who didn't have the means to afford charity. Right. Um, so yeah, it kind of does make sense when you say that it's, it's, mm it's kind of your mentality it's your thinking yeah. and ultimately it is like you just have to be intentional with everything isn't it yeah definitely yeah. I think we're also being like really hard on ourselves thinking like mm. oh I'm not doing enough and I could be doing better yeah and maybe we're also unsatisfied with the other life I think so I think absolutely yeah there's a there's a massive like thing of that unsatisfaction and I I know this is such a privileged like haughty thing to say but you know sometimes when I like speak to people from Afghanistan or wherever or like you know even when you travel and there are people like oh how can I get to Australia and stuff and I I know they're struggling like you know financially I know they're struggling to like make ends meet and stuff but in the same way I almost sometimes feel like like if you knew what like yes I alhamdulillah have all these sort of financial comforts and stuff but I also don't feel like I have the same quality of life as a lot of these people that ask me that. Do you know what I mean? Because they, they yeah. have access to genuine sort of happiness on an ongoing basis. And um, yeah, we, it's not necessarily like that. I think once you come into these sort of other countries, it just becomes like a, a hustle and bustle. It's a rat race, isn't it? Rat yeah. race, that's yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's it. Mindfulness, I guess, which I mean, really is what Tapo is about, isn't it? It's just consciousness of it being is. aware all the time. It is truly, but guys, if anyone knows, if anyone has answers, please DM us. Hit us up, guys. Actually, tell us one thing as well before we all we will let you all go. Would you guys want us to be on video on YouTube or whatever? Because we're pre- pretty much going to be remote now. We're not going to be in the same country very often um, for the long term because Mishkat's planning to move back to Ireland soon, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, I mean elsewhere, even if not Ireland, we'll yeah, yes elsewhere plans in the future. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we, I guess we'll be recording remotely a lot. Would it help for you guys to have video? Would you watch it? Because I know I definitely prefer to watch podcasts and listen to them. Let us know. And thanks for putting up with us so patiently and not, um, yeah, abusing us for not. Well, well, we'll see. Please leave us ratings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we will know. Uh, lovely to see you and, and catch up with you again. We should um, definitely make talking outside of our <laughs> podcast a thing. <laughs> now that we're remote (laughs) oh my goodness yeah what are your plans for today Um, oh yes and bye oh yeah bye guys see you Um, next week see you